This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. As always, I am your host, Shane Told, as I take you into the backstage conversations between myself and other lead singers. And oh boy, today we have a big one. We've had a lot of requests for this gentleman um, in the past, what is it, 87 episodes? I think this is episode 87. Uh, so many requests. Very happy to get him to agree to do this. We have Franz of Attila, Chris Franzak, and a controversial guy. I mean, there's no question. If you know anything about Attila, you know they have some questionable content on their records. Um, Some of the language, some of the subject matter, and uh, a lot of people hate this band. Myself, um, I'm on the fence, to be honest, uh, how I feel about it. Clearly, what I'm trying to spread with my music um, is, you know, messages of hope. And my direction is a lot different than Attila's direction. And talking to him was very interesting, very eye-opening. And say what you want about him, but he's very smart, he's very articulate, and he's very successful. Before we jump into that, Big shout out to all my sinners worldwide. My sinners, if you don't know, are what I affectionately call the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club members. And the All Access Club is something that was started um, back at the end of last year. And basically it's for the people that listen to this show every week, but one episode is just not enough for them. And they want more content. They want bonus episodes. They want to interact with other members of the show. They want to interact with me. Maybe they want to get things in the mail. Maybe they want Lead Singer Syndrome merch. Whatever it is, joining the club really does help me keep the lights on around here, keep the show going week after week, and it costs as little as $6 a month. So please 
check out the All Access Club. The link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Another way you can help the show, if you buy anything on Amazon ever, please use the Amazon affiliate link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. You go to that link. It takes you right to Amazon, the Amazon homepage. You log in like normal, and we actually get 4 to 6%. And it costs you absolutely nothing. So if you have a big ticket purchase, even if it's just something small, just remember to use that link and a little does go a long way. Uh, we have a lot of people that listen to the show and a lot of people do that. And every couple months when I, when I get the check coming in from Amazon, it's actually pretty decent. So please keep doing that. Again, that does help us keep this show going week after week. I want to give a big thank you to Ryan from Seaway for jumping on last week. We had a great talk. Check it out if you missed it. want to remind you guys that the Seaway album is coming. It's called Vacation. I actually got an advanced copy, and I think it is one of the best pop punk records of this year. Maybe of the last who even knows how many years. It's a great record, so be on the lookout for that. Also, I'm on Warped Tour right now. Trophy Eyes is killing it. Knocked Loose is killing it. Those were also some episodes we did the last couple weeks, so also make sure you go back and check those out as well. And, of course, there is a brand new Silverstein record. It's called Dead Reflection. It came out just about a week ago. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody that has picked up that record, streamed that record, bought the vinyl, whatever you've done. That's amazing. We had a great first week, and really what's the most exciting is just the feedback we've gotten on this record. People have been so emphatic about how great they think this album is and everyone's got a different favorite song. And, you know, for me, I've spoken pretty honestly about how I had a pretty rough go, a pretty rough year, and uh, this record really was a piece of my soul to be, I know it sounds overdramatic, but it really was, uh, uh, I really poured my heart out into this one. So please check out the new Silverstein record, even if you just go on Spotify and give it a spin. That helps us out big time. So it's called Dead Reflection, and it is out right now. Anyways, hey, let's get into this week's episode with the always controversial Chris the Franz, Franzak of Attila. Six, 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 party with the devil, bitch! Franz is fairly quiet hello, for a hello. loud man. Yeah. I got a soft voice. My <laughs> my offstage voice is pretty yeah. soft spoken. No, um Hello, hello. Yeah, you're you're fine. That'll be great, man. No, it's uh That's one thing that strikes me about you. We can start right there, is like all the dealings I've had with you over the last like whatever I've known you for three or four years, kinda here and there. Yeah. You've always just been such a gentleman. Yeah. Really just like a chill, chill ass dude. You know, uh, I'm pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, besides, like the personality as uh, the frontman of Attila, I'm actually a pretty <laughs> chilled out, mellow dude for the most part. Family man. Yeah. Live at home in Florida with my family. Yeah. Two kids and a naked cat. That's, it's, that's my life. It's just crazy because hmm. I see. You know, we're on Warp Tour together, and every day I see the kids with their merch on, and. A lot of them are very like they're the a lot of them are the same kind of kid. Not they aren't all the same kind of kid. Yeah. But a lot of them are that like you can tell they're in high school. They're pissed off. Yeah. They fucking hate their parents. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that. Parents probably told them not to listen to Attila, but right. because they said that were their favorite band. Same right. thing with my parents telling me not to listen to Eminem when I was a kid, and I fucking snuck the album into my room, and I would listen to it every day, and it just felt good. So is that where this whole band like stemmed from? Was that is that like was that the vision that you had when you started this thing? Like, let's just be... Like obviously you you never knew you were going to be here. You never knew we were going to sit on a fucking tour bus on yeah. work tour, like the nicest bus on the tour. You got all these side businesses, you got all this, you got this empire, the yeah. Franz empire. You never knew that was going to happen. But when you started music, was that what you wanted to do? Were you trying to channel that anger that you had as a kid into this band? Pretty much. I think that's a a good way to put it. I think that um, Attila is Attila because of all of our influences and how we grew up and just our, our personalities and such. Um, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, a majority of what I listened to was rap music, mm-hmm. and I I've, I loved it. I loved rap sure. music. I loved how in-your-face it always was. But uh, at the same time, I felt like I really just loved metal, like Pantera you know, just really heavy metal. I liked how hard metal music hit, but I liked how in-your-face rap music was. So I think that the vision very early on was to combine, like, heavy-hitting metal with just really in-your-face, like, rap-style vibes. And, um, you know, like I said, growing up listening to, like, Eminem and stuff like that, I think I, I liked that he said shit that got under people's skin and really kind of raised your hairs and, you know, made you feel some type of way. And I, I, growing up in Atlanta as well, most of the bands we were surrounded with were very, very, like, uh, um, PG, like, Christian bands and sure, stuff like course, that. Right? So yeah, it was, yeah. uh, it was different because I, I knew that I didn't want to be like that. It just didn't fit with who I was and what I liked. So your upbringing, because, you know, you right away were like, yeah, my parents wouldn't let, let me listen to Eminem or whatever. What was your upbringing like when you were a kid? Did you have, like, a classic family structure with, uh, you know, a mom and a dad and brothers and sisters? Like, how, how was that for you growing up? I grew up, yeah, I grew up with a pretty, like, classic family. I would say, like, middle class, nothing special. We never... We never ate out at restaurants or did anything like too cool. We didn't really vacation much. Just kind of living in suburban Atlanta, kind of out in the boonies a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, just pretty normal, I guess, average upbringing. Uh, my parents were very frugal and, um, and taught me to, I don't know, I guess be frugal with money. And if you want something, go out there and get it was kind of the mentality from day one. And I think that's a large part of why I I am the way I am today as far as starting businesses and stuff is because my parents always pushed me even when I was like six, seven years old, you know, hey, you want to make your own money? You want to do something fun? Like start a business, like start a lemonade stand, like take the lawnmower and ask the neighbors if they want you to cut their lawn, like shit like that. And um, I think it just kind of stemmed from there. Like the idea of working for myself and like doing things on my own and being independent was really cool. Even, even at a super young age, like younger than most kids, you know? Sure. So no, I've read about you, you know, selling golf balls to, yeah. you know, to my grandpa, and stuff my and grandpa worked at a golf range. So he would just scoop up all these golf balls and like every month he would come over and visit and bring me just a trash bag with thousands of golf balls. 
and I would just organize it because my dad worked at a grocery store. He'd bring me all the empty egg cartons, and I would take the thousands of golf balls and sort them by brand, condition, put them in the empty egg cartons, load up my little red wagon, and just hustle. I'd probably walk like a few miles a day just around different neighborhoods, but I I would look in the garage and see if they had a golf bag in their garage, and then I would go knock, and I mean, you couldn't resist me. I was a little seven-year-old hustler, and I I went to your door, (laughs) and I would work out a deal. I would cut you, you know, three for two, like three dozen for two, whatever, you know? But it was cool. Like I was a little kid and I was hustling. I was making money as like a young, young kid. And it just kind of like built this foundation early on of where I was just like, hey, anything I want, I can do it. I can work by myself. I don't depend right. on anyone. Very cool. Um, and did you have brothers and sisters or do you? Three younger sisters and I'm the oldest. Okay. So that's why things were more strict for me. I was the first child. Yeah. First child always gets it the worst, the most strict, most rules. You know, it's funny. I always talk with my parents about it, looking back on it. Like, technically, I was probably the most chill out of all the kids as far as, like, you know, looking back, I had it the most strict. But for the most part, I was a pretty good kid, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I read that you, you know, you said you, you got good grades in school, um, you know, that you did you were like kind of top of your class and you had scholarship offers and stuff, which is like, I think it's a cool thing that you say that. And I'm, I believe it to be true. I'm not, I don't think you're just saying it. Yeah. Even if it's not true, it's still a good thing to tell kids. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I'm, I'm not saying it's not true, but, but it's like, that is a good thing to be like, you know what? Yes. You're an angry high school kid that loves my band because I'm saying this shit that shouldn't be said. But yeah. at the end of the day, an education is important. Yeah, not of course. everybody can be can be fra- the Franz. Yeah, you got to read a lot of books to get where I'm at. Reading <laughs> is important. Reading right. is what I stress to people more so than even like school cuz like you got to face the fact that when you're in a kid in school like half the shit they teach you you're not even going to care about or or use like you know trigonometry calculus all this shit like i had to learn that i've never used ever once in my life and then i i wish they would stress more on like finances like mortgages sure. how to manage your money better there's so many crucial things they don't teach you but i'd say the most important thing for anybody is just reading books and and making yeah. sure you're very well rounded i agree with you man it's like the one thing I remember when our band started making money and stuff, and I was like, you know, we were we were basically hiding money under the fucking mattress because we didn't know how taxes work. Oh, because yeah. Because they don't teach you how taxes work in school. Exactly. And it's so important. So important. Why don't they teach you that? Why do, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's because they just kind of, they kind of, at least in America, they kind of want to mold you to be like... Uh, a normal member of society. They don't want you to think for yourself and have these great, brilliant ideas. They kind of want you to just fit into society's standards. They need yep. restaurant workers. They need, I don't know, they, they kind of want to teach you what you don't need so that way you fit into some life you don't want to fit in or you think you do, you know? I don't know. Right. It's, it's kind of weird, but... I think it's just kind of the way society's molded to kind of just spit people out, get them through school, spit them out, put them into college, spit them into a job and and get them working like a normal kind of daily routine life. But your family growing up the way you did, your parents probably expected that of you though in some at some point, right? I mean, I'm sure they probably have kind of normal jobs. Yeah. And you, maybe your sisters do too. Yeah, everyone in my family except me has like a normal just average modest job or whatever and I think that's also what they expected of me 
especially being that I got a free scholarship to college. So it was kind of like, you know, there was almost like a figurative, like gun to my head, like, Hey, you have a free scholarship. You have to go. But, uh, at the same, the same month that I graduated high school, I just hopped straight in the tour van and just started touring the country nonstop. We were already touring a little bit, uh, back when I was 16 so yeah. yeah, I'm 27 now. Started the band when I was 14. We started hitting the road as early as like 15, 16 years old. Crazy. I would just self book all of our tours on MySpace back in the day. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. wild to think about that those days, right? And and it's especially wild to think about you being so young. But it makes sense if you're an entrepreneur, like you said, like age eight, age 10. It's not that big a deal to book shows at 15, I guess. Yeah, it was just <laughs> it was just another thing added to my list. I would skip all my homework, skip all my schoolwork, push everything else to the side, and I would sit on the computer with the dial-up internet for 20 hours a day booking shows on MySpace. Totally. And, like, most of the guests on my show, not all the guests, but a lot of them are, you know, more in the, like, punk rock world. You yeah. know, the Warped Tour world or whatever, underground music. Um, and I was thinking about your band a little bit today, and I was reading some of your lyrics, and, and I was thinking about how, like you said, rappers say things like that you say, and there are even some rock bands, but more in the mainstream realm or like, you know, yeah, that kind of not the punk rock world that are saying these things. Yeah, I think of course. part of the problem that you guys have and why people give you such a hard time and give you shit is because not necessarily because of what you're saying, but because what you're saying when you're also supposed to be in a punk rock place like coming from a place of punk rock so I'm, yeah. I, my question is for you is well that that's something you can talk about but just how did you get into punk rock and diy touring and and all that stuff at that age in, i guess when you're in high school yeah yeah totally so it, it all stems back to um i guess me being about 10 years old I would start going to New Jersey every summer from Georgia okay. because I didn't have many friends in Georgia. We, I, I lived in the sticks, like I said, kind of suburb, not very many friends to hang out with. My cousins live in New Jersey. I would go up and visit them. And um, just right away, uh, I'll never forget, like, my cousins and their circle of friends. Some of them were in a band together. Uh, super ironic, like, story, but one of the people that was in that band that inspired me to be in a band actually works for my band now and is our best friend. His name's Billy. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no. So like they had a band and I just would see them playing music together and they got me into, um, taking back Sunday from autumn to ashes. Um, just under oath, all these bands from back, uh, back in the day that it just really sparked me. Like I, I couldn't believe it that you could actually pick up an instrument and do it like it, it's it seems like when you're 10 years old playing in a band seems so far-fetched or a crazy idea but just seeing these people doing it picking up the instruments playing music synchronized together right. playing basement shows they would drag me to um like infest and like new jersey metal and hardcore fest where yeah. i was like at a young age i was watching um Madball. I was watching Sick of It All. I was watching all these like death metal bands and like just crazy shit. And I just loved it. I felt I never felt more, I guess, comfortable in my life like that. I belonged. So you than felt when the I community went. aspect of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I felt a very strong sense of community from early on, and I I just the music spoke to me. You know, being a kid in the suburbs, all I had was the radio. The radio was either you know 
just a bunch of shit I didn't really like or rap music, which I liked. So, so you take this me liking rap music to begin with, boom, you introduce all this like heavy, crazy, like badass music. Um, and then I guess like you just mix it all up and that's kind of like where, where I was at at the point is I want to start a band now. I can, I see how it's done. It's, it's possible. Nothing's out of reach. I know I'm young, but I can still make this happen. And then, um, just combining my love for two different genres and kind of is what, what started it out. So when you came back from New Jersey, whatever, you know, maybe you'd gone a couple of years, whatever, but when you came back and you, and you'd seen these bands and you'd, you'd, you'd heard about the hardcore scene and punk rock and everything, you went back to Atlanta. What did you do? Did you get a guitar? Did you try to find people that could play guitar? Yeah. What did so you do? What was your, what was your approach? Step, step one, I think I got a guitar. I picked it up. I tried to play it. I tried to like look up lessons, tab books, everything. I sucked so bad. I sucked <laughs> so bad at guitar. Then I got a drum set. Um, I sucked really bad at drums. Uh, I, I, I then thought I wanted to play bass. Bass was a little easier than guitar. Yeah. I had someone giving me lessons. And growing up, I actually uh, lived nearby the bass player of Foreigner. And he would actually <laughs> help me out once in a while and give me tips and pointers crazy yeah crazy ass story but um yeah basically i I just kind of sucked at everything and then one day uh i'll never forget i i was at the mall i met these kids that were in a band they were in high school i was still in middle school so i was 12 at the time maybe 13 and they were like hey battle the battle of the bands is in one month we need a screamer for our band. And it was just something that seemed so strange to me that I, I had never done it. I didn't know if I could do it or if I was able to fit the position, but I just could not turn down the opportunity to actually be with a band. And I just figured, fuck it. I tried everything else. I sucked at everything. Yeah. I'm just going to tell them that I can do this, grab the mic and see what comes out. And that's kind of how it all began for me. Um, you know, I was the middle school kid that was about to play with the high school kids. They came to my basement. Everyone hooked up their amps, um, <laughs> had my shitty drum set back there. And then I'll never forget the first two songs I ever played was Smash Your Enemies by Hatebreed and Skin <laughs> Like Winter by Zayo. Zayo. And, um, and yeah. I haven't so, thought about Zayo in a while. Yeah, totally. So I just grabbed the mic and ripped it. And I, I remember like belching it out and then looking back and just seeing like a nod of approval by everyone of like, yeah, dude, like you're killing it. And that was kind of like the big, like affirming moment in my like heart that like, Hey, this is it. I finally found my place. Like I can do this. This is my role. I'm the front man. And you couldn't talk for like a week after that. Oh yeah. I was destroyed for a week. (laughs) I was destroyed for a week. But a big thing I always tell kids though, that are trying to get into like being a vocalist is that, it's definitely something that you get better at with time. Sure. You know, I had a little bit of natural talent, but I grew with time and I, I only got better the more I did it. So that was, that was the beginning of it all for me. And then, um, I, I went to high school. I was a freshman and at the time, uh, our drummer was a senior. He handed me a demo from his band at the time that was called, um, Southern creation we were all like Pantera metalhead kids, and uh, I was a freshman. And this eighteen-year-old handed me a CD um, of their demo, and I, I remember popping it in and being like, "This is the coolest band I've ever heard." And then um, 
that's the band that went on to become Attila. I went to try out, made the tryout. We changed the name to Attila. The rest is history. And the name change, I'm not going to go off on the name of the band. Um, it's something I typically avoid in these things. But the reason, the whole reason we're talking about this, or talking today pretty much, is because I put on a thing on Twitter a while back that was like, all right, worst band names, throw them out there. So people were throwing out, you know, all these different band names. And, like, I think the worst one was um, Betty White Titty Fuck. Oh, God. I was like, wow. Jesus. <laughs> I just offended Franz with that one. No, so I was like, <laughs> my God. And then somebody said Attila, and I was like, say what you want about the fucking band, but that's a great band name. Yeah. And that going back to the whole, um, like, origin of the band name, I made it loud and clear to the dudes when we were picking the name. I was like, look, no blood, no bleeding, no dying death, no five-word names, yeah. nothing fucking stupid. I was like, one word, let's make it cool, let's think about it. Someone was in the bookstore, saw a book about Attila the Hun, killing everyone, fucking shit up, and they, I, I remember the text, like, Attila, question mark, and it was just, yep, done. There you go, done. Done, easy. But did you know it was going to be that kind of a band? Like, like I mean, obviously the, the band's evolved. Fuck, it's, it's been, you know, you're, it's been tw- half your life. Half my life band. in the band, exactly. Yeah. So, obviously it's evolved, but did you know, it's like, okay, I want to be this offensive in your face band like did you even know back then when you picked the name I I knew very early on um so here's another story that not many people know I don't think it's in many ooh beer burp in I many stories yeah we're drinking a couple Bud Lights ooh. right now alright Frosty Beer is giving me the burp so <laughs> I m- most people don't know this I don't even think I've mentioned it very much but there was a band from Atlanta a very long time ago about the same time Attila started that was very Influential to me, they were called Fight Paris. Do you remember okay. them? That name is familiar, but I don't think I remember the band. They were like a firework. They exploded out of left field and then just fizzled out and and went away very quickly because their singer went to jail, got in, in some trouble for some shit, some heavy shit. But right out of the gates, this band was playing like southern style metal that was heavy in your face. I think the first track of the album just said, damn right, that's what's my bitch. She fucking sucked my goddamn dick. Right. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, this is so fucking cool. We're in Atlanta Every single band is a Christian band. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Er, er, er. And I'm just like, sure. this is weird. I like, I don't fuck with any of this. It's so weird. I'm, I know I'm in the Bible belt and everyone's going to disagree with me for not being in a Christian band, but I'm, I just don't vibe with this personally. And then yeah. Fight Paris came out talking about sex and drugs. And I just wanted fucking fuck and drink alcohol and all this shit. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And like I said, they were like a firework. I think they were on Trust Kill um, or uh, that might be wrong. I, th- I forget which label they were on. It may have been Ferret, actually. Yeah. They popped off. They were big for like a minute. They yeah. really had a lot of buzz and then they went away. And I remember thinking like, like that was my vision I kind of had too but that band popped up and went away so quick so I think from early on yes it was my goal to be heavy and offensive and you can track I think some people think we're a new band or some people might only know us as far as like a couple albums deep or a few albums deep but you can look back at the shit I was writing at age 16 and it's 
pretty much the same. It's about, <laughs> you know, fucking doing strikeouts. It's about one night stands. It's about like living your life, doing whatever the fuck you want. It's kind of always been like the, the theme since day one. Sure. You know what I mean? It's been very, I guess, true to myself is the, the biggest thing I just tell people. It's just been writing what I've always wanted to write. But when you were in high school and you were getting good grades and everything and, and working on the Empire at an early age, you were still, like, getting fucked up, doing crazy shit. Yeah. Like I know that you have you have a felony because you couldn't get into Canada. I don't know what that's about. But, like, you've done some crazy shit. This isn't all talk. No, it's not all talk. And I think I'm definitely more tamed down now because I... I just respect being a father so much that I never want to be that dad that like dies on tour or something crazy. You know what I mean? Right. So for that reason, I'm, I'm definitely very toned down because I love my kids and my family so much. But, um, yes, my, my teenage years, I probably partied harder as a teenager than the top, whatever five hardest partying bands on this tour combined. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was fucking Ape shit, crazy, dude. Everything, drugs, alcohol, like girls, whatever, you name it. It was like the wildest period of my life. I was off the rails and it was just like, whatever, no one can stop me. Like, I make straight A's, bitch. What 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 are you gonna tell me? Make better grades? Like, no one can tell me shit. Like, I'm smart, I'm crazy, like fuck it, who cares? So <laughs> it was it was just kinda yeah, I mean no one could talk shit. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I'm always on time. I've I've got all these jobs on the side, I'm working at restaurants doing this doing that so what I want to tour with my band I want to party I want to fuck shit up so yeah shit got really wild yeah. for for a period of years and then I think as I've grown older I've just really become more I guess mature and mm-hmm. I see the big picture now you know what I'm right. saying before I didn't really see a big picture now I see like uh, you know how the world works and I like the future Absolutely. And I think that there's obviously, like, if you're a smart guy, you realize, like, it's not overly healthy to just consume mass amounts of alcohol and drugs yeah, of course. for a long period of time. I don't know if you had any problems with addiction or not. I mean, that's obviously a thing that's prevalent. I'm very thankful to have a non-addictive personality. So in the past, when I were doing things that were highly addictive... I was able to still separate, surprisingly, because I've seen so many of my close friends not be able to separate from the substance and go down the path of either, you know, death, jail, whatever, like bad life. And I think that's another thing that kind of wakes you up along the, the road of life is when you see people doing the same exact shit you're doing, but they their outcome is way different. And it's right. kind of like, well... How long can you keep this going for before your outcome is the same as as theirs? But is it hard though, knowing that you're different and that you have sort of like, no matter how fucked up you are on whatever night of the week, you know in the back of your head, I have to be here, I have to be here, I have to do this for my own productivity to get this to achieve my goals. However, like when you're up there in your band saying, I don't give a fuck, basically, almost like I don't give a fuck. You shouldn't give a fuck. Who gives a fuck? Isn't that almost a little dangerous to people that can't really understand it or separate the things? Or is that just kind of not really your problem? That's a tough question. You know, I think I think everyone is is different, and you can tell some. You can tell a crowd one thing, and half the crowd can interpret it one way, and half the crowd another. 
it's really it's almost even based down to an individual basis like i said course, like yeah. i've i've been able to be like completely wild and crazy but still maintain like a good head on the, on my shoulders and still be able to you know for the most part make good choices but yeah there are people out there that are just destined to not make good choices so i i don't know i think i think music is like any other art and i think the listeners have to take it for what it is you know and some of the shit i say is really crazy and fucked up but i mean what's at the end of the day what is the difference between that and watching a really crazy fucked up movie right. you know it's you i think people sometimes people nowadays at least take music almost too seriously to the point where everything becomes so literal and I I wish that people would look at music more as an art form or more as like entertainment versus like a scripture like I'm not trying to be you know uh, Jesus Christ in the Bible or something and like tell people how to live their life Um, (laughs) you know but at the same time I do want people to let loose and have fun but I'm, I'm not necessarily like yeah. Take it for a grain of salt is all I'm saying. Well, that's where I rest that's what I wrestle with it too, you know, because like I said the whole thing about, you know, punk rock and that how people kind of expect oh, you're getting it. Don't worry about it. Sorry, no, dude, don't. Dude, no worries. No worries. It's editing. It's the best. Thanks, man. Um I was just saying like that's where I wrestle with things too because you know, you come from like a punk rock scene or something where there's this community and there's this, you know, you're a member of this sort of society where people are supposed to be there for each other and you're supposed to be having some kind of like uh, influence on the yeah, generations totally. that are going to come after you and totally. all this stuff. And that that's just kind of where I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. Go go ahead. No, I, I get it. I, I am fully aware that I am like the black sheep of this music family. And mm-hmm. I, I will say this, that beyond all the, the criticism and I think people overthink things, at the end of the day, I'm out there in Warp Tour every single day, like hanging out with hundreds and hundreds of kids, literally. I meet so many people a day. And yeah. I think that the overall general consensus that I get from the most diehard fans, you know, is that... Thank you so much for your music, your music, your attitude, everything, the way you carry yourself, your songs, your lyrics is what has helped me to to not take life so seriously and say, fuck it to all the bullies and all the people that are bringing me down at school, everyone that pushes me around. I put Attila on and I feel like a fucking badass. And all right. of a sudden I don't care about getting picked on. I don't care about, you know, the shit people are saying to me. I don't care that my boyfriend broke up with me or girlfriend or whatever. It, everything feels better now. And I think that I always tell people this, but this is from personal experience. The the very like positive message punk music as a kid didn't get through to me. It didn't get through right. my head. It never could have. It's it, it did it's not what worked for me. But the really fucked up, crazy music is kind of what really drilled into my head and captivated me and made me feel good. So I think that it's hard for people to understand, especially when these other bands out here, I understand they're trying to push this like different messages. Everyone's got their own yeah, message sure. or, or idea. And I, I do agree. 
you should want to help people and, and yeah. make people's lives better. I just think it's hard for people to understand that Attila makes people's lives better by making them not give a fuck, by making them feel more confident in themselves when they're a, someone that may have been getting picked on or may have been dealing with adversity uh, in their family or friends or whatever. So yeah. it's different. Like I said, it's like a different medicine for different people. Some people just need something really fucking crazy to get through to them. <laughs> yeah. Are, are people ever surprised like when they come up to this day sick tent or whatever and take a selfie with you, how kind of gentle and nice and like respectful you are because they see you on stage they see what you, yeah how you are in your records and it's di- it's not the same chris franzak right you know what i mean yeah. so do do people ever say to you like oh my god you're like you're, you're nice. So nice you're not yeah. like you know you're not yeah, angry and you're not aggressive or you're not being too cool like yeah yeah i i definitely get that um but i think also it's it actually doesn't get pointed out a whole lot because i think people just kind of expect bands to be you know nice cuz a lot of a lot of bands for the most part at least when they're meeting fans from are nice even the bands <laughs> i see out here like i see bands that are kind of like dickheads to other bands or other people and they're even right. they're nice to their fans so i think fans yeah. kind of expect you to be nice so i don't i don't really get called called out on it too much okay. but people are people will be like oh you're nice you have a great smile like I don't know, you you hug really good or something like that. I'm like yeah, cool, hell oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. And and I guess the other question I have for you is like, obviously your lyrics are pretty intense, subject matter of your songs is pretty intense. Has there been anything you've written, you've written it down, like whether it was something you showed to the band or not, even just like sitting on your couch writing words, where you were like, nah, I just can't go there. I can't <laughs> use that word. I can't go down that that subject or whatever has there been that that stuff yes there has been i've i've written stuff that is and that is really fucked up and i think another thing is like as you get to know me more on like a personal basis you'll realize like yeah i'm a nice person i'm a nice guy i've got good intentions but my mind is also a really fucked up place (laughs) like these thoughts aren't forced out these thoughts have a a place that they come from and it's my really fucked up head i'm really fucking weird i'm super strange i'm i'm honestly i'm a pretty fucked up dude and i think of all these things so yeah i mean a lot of the things i think of are too fucked up to be in attila songs i i promise you that (laughs) and you know it really just depends on who i'm recording with at the time the state that i'm in during recording you know like if i'm if I'm on on some shit or if I'm whatever, like whatever's going on in my head at the moment, sometimes I'll just, whatever's on my head, do it. Fuck it. Who cares? And I, I put it out there and, you know, sometimes there's backlash. Sometimes it ends up being the biggest fucking song of all. Well, I, I know you've, I've heard you say like people are like, oh, well, well, Chris, why don't you, you know, talk about these things, these other uplifting things. And you say, well, well I do do that. And when I do them, nobody notices. Very true. People only talk about the songs that are all that are all fucked up. Yep. You know, it's true. So I've you could if you were really to dive into the Attila discography, we've got like seven albums now. Yeah, you put out an album like you put albums out very very often. Yeah, we have a huge catalog, and if you look through all of our music, we have plenty of songs that are not about partying. They're not about getting fucked up. There's nothing offensive. We have like I would say we even have probably five six seven eight songs that have 
no foul language at all. They're radio friendly. <laughs> they're they're right. great. They're great songs. But all those songs in the history of a, us as a band, they always get swept under the rug. I think we have a lot of songs that have good uh, messages. Um, um, you know, Horse Pig is one of my favorite songs. That song never really took off. Um, you know, we've got songs like Break My Addiction that are very, like, personal. We've got songs that are, you know, it's just, I'll put them, I'm, I'll put them out there and I'm, I'm happy to get it off my chest and put yeah. personal stuff into songs, but we've never, ever had a song that was personal, meaningful, or, or without bad words that's ever become popular or right. even remotely popular enough for to put it in our set list. And sure. I'll tell you what, I'm not butthurt about it at all. I'm not upset. I've still done it, so I can say, "Hey, I have done it. I've put them in our albums, and yep. it's it's really just I respect the fans' choice to like what they like. It's their choice. We put the album out, whatever song they love the most. That's that's the single at the end of the day. Right, you're right. And is there anything that you you were like, uh, like looking back? Because you got you do have a big discography. There's yes, a couple songs you're like. Maybe I should have maybe not said that, or any regrets with any lyrics. Because, I mean, I know you got to own it, and I know that you're the yeah, kind of yeah. person that, personality-wise, that you're going to own what you do. I but. own it. I, I will say I will say this. Um, for not... I, I own every song, and I still, to this day, will own this song, and it's one of my favorites. But Proving Grounds, for whatever reason, ruffled people's feathers so fucking hard, still to this day. Um, and, and it's... I, I fucking hate that it ruffled people's feathers so bad because the message of the song is not offensive at all. The song is not offensive. But people were really upset by my choice of words because I say, right. so who's the faggot now? And right. and that is really what set people off past their limits. So I will say, I, I've said it a hundred times, but the song is nothing to do with sexual orientation or whatever it may be the song is literally me responding to being a fucking a kid my whole life that was called a faggot my whole life yeah. i was never cool i was the kid called a faggot 20 times a day to my face and and all the kids that called me faggot in high school are working at kiosks in the middle of the fucking mall right now so who's the faggot now was my response in proving grounds and right. i get it there's words that people get super upset by yeah. i understand mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, there's freedom of expression. That's the that's the sentence I chose to use in that song. I will own up to it. I said it. You know, if it offends people, it is what it is. But it's said in a completely non-offensive yeah, way, and yeah. and that's a word I don't throw around. You yeah, know, and I would never, certainly never say it in a song. Uh, but um, yeah, I understand where that comes from. The why people are offended. But to be completely honest. I also understand how that line can resonate with kids that are going through what you went through. Because there still are those kids every day. Yeah, that get called names, called that, that get bullied all the time. And, and like you said, that is that is what, you know, they have, you know. Are you done song, your beer? Huh? Yeah, I might need another beer it's, soon. Uh, uh, I brought something. Oh, shit. No way. Is I brought, that what I think it is? <laughs> you I are a, a savage. I brought a box of Franzia. Hopefully, drink with the fronds and you boxed wine, and you blocked out the A into an O, I so had it's to. officially Franzia. That's right. This is your. This is maybe some new branding for you. This is incredible, dude. You could. I don't know. This is bringing me back to the All Stars tour days with uh, sleeping with sirens and Memphis <laughs> May Fire, and we'd be out 
in the trailer of the 15 passenger slapping the bag the bag wine baby Slap, just sucking out the nipple sucking and the rest the of the last in the bag you want a little so bit sick. yeah let's rip let's it dude it. rip a little uh with the Franzi I even brought cups this is sick <laughs> put the mic up there let's get the sound of the dribble Hell yeah, this is legit, dude. I'll give you, uh, here. here, I'll hold your cup. I got it. I'm a team player. That's right. We're drinking wine. Drinking the Franzia with the Franz. So I'm Franzilla. stoked. So I, I didn't mention this, but... Um, hey, cheers, dude. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Your band is definitely a band that I uh, really fell in love with growing up. You guys... Uh, I think you guys and Census fail about the same time. Yeah, I, yeah, we were always in this kind of the same scene, and I guess you talk about uh, punk rock and like kind of learning it from the New Jersey scene, like Census fail being from New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, Thursday, My Chemical Romance, those bands were all very, very like big to me. Yeah, dude, now it's um, it's good. Um, you know, it's funny about your band. The first time <laughs> I'd heard your name around a little bit, yeah, but I hadn't heard your music or anything, and we were getting ready to do. Warp Tour in 2013 and we hadn't done it since 09 and I was just like looking I was like we gotta do, make a merch tent and I'm kinda like what are bands doing for merch tents these days like what what do people put on their tents or what yeah. are like colors just like just kinda curious so I'm on Google so I Google Warp Tour merch tents and I get like a bunch of image searches and there's one that's kinda like a wide like landscape of a hill with a bunch of tents on it. So I'm looking at the tents, and in the foreground, there's this girl wearing a lime green shirt, and she's in the foreground, and it says on the back, touching every fucking titty on the back of the shirt. I'm in every fucking city touching every fucking titty. Yeah, and I saw that shirt, and I was like, what? It's, you know, it's like, like in hardcore like style font on the back. Oh, yeah. And I go, what the fuck is this shirt? Who would put this on the shirt? So I literally opened a new browser and Googled that, touching every fucking titty. And sure enough, the lyrics to your song popped up. And I yeah. went, oh, my God, who is this band? What are they singing about? This is – and I, like, instantly was like, okay, this band is, like – Clearly, like tongue in cheek, like yeah. there's some humor here. Yeah, of with course. This kind of line, especially we're, we're humorous people. But then all of a sudden, I start researching it more and more, and and I'm like asking people if they've heard of your band, and they're like, yeah, I don't know, like, uh, you know, and it wasn't uh, like, yeah, it was like a little <laughs> bit like I don't know if I agree with like what they're doing. Yeah, but that was my introduction to your band. That's fucking awesome. And I I still think that that those lyrics are just like, <laughs> oh, dude. Like the line after is so fucking off the wall. Like just the whole that whole fucking section is fucked, man. Like right, but but it's I wrote that when I was that's once again going back into the time capsule. That's what I wrote when I was sixteen years old. That's that's me being me from day one. You know, sure. eleven years ago. So. Well, yeah, just I mean, crazy weird shit. I just I'm just a weird weird dude. Like I said, that's what we like. You know, when you when when you hang out with us at night and we're all having drinks, like we're gonna say some weird stuff. We our mascot is a four foot long dildo and and an alien. You know, we're we're weird dudes, but we own up to it. We're not trying to like hide the weirdness. You know, 
we're, we're nice to people. We'll hold right. the door open for the women. We're respectful. We don't treat people, you know, how they don't want to be treated, but we're really fucking weird dudes. I think that that's where the blind gets blurred between the reputation and the actual. Because it's like one thing for someone to be like, I fucked, I say all this fucked up shit. I don't believe it. I'm this guy. I'm the family man. Like, but you're like, well, my, my, I'm a little fucked up though. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're like, you're not saying like I'm not that person. You're saying I'm like kind of that person. Is that more accurate? Yeah, that's and is that very why people accurate. get so confused? Dude, I'm very, confused I'm about very confusing, and it's it's yeah. understandable. Like, how can someone so smart be so weird and offensive? And how can he say that that's who he is if he's got a stable family life and shit like this? It's like right. I get it, but you know, these we are weird fucking dudes. We're all crazy, and and it is what it is. But it's there, I think like like I said, there's a way to position yourself in society where you're not just a total dickhead you know fucking everyone over at all times craziness Uh, so i don't know we at the end of the day we are humans you know and we we do care for each other and we care for our fans and we care for our friends on warped and we're absolutely we're happy to be here and so so one thing that you're doing is the franzac.com website where you're able to this is not an ad by the way uh, <laughs> Shout out to Franzac.com <laughs> Where uh, basically for $50 a month uh, I say kids but really anyone Can basically get your phone number Text you Advice Ask you what to do I, I assume in pretty much any facet of life But more to do with business and music Yes um, Where did you get that idea How many people are doing it And how do you find that So the idea came to me, I would say, I, I started the website in, I believe, the very end of 2015. It's been almost two years. The idea came to me because constantly I get flooded with messages about like, hey, Franz, how do I do this? How do I start a band? How do I start a successful clothing company? How do I do, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you're a smart businessman. Help me out. And it's not that I don't want to help these people out. It's just that so many people are literally flooding my inboxes, my email, you name it, that I was just thinking, well, hey, what if there's a way that I can create a website, put up as much generalized information as possible uh, via blogs, videos, um, you name it, and then also go a step further to where I can get personal with these people and if they've watched the videos and they've read the blogs about helping them start their clothing line or helping them start a band or whatever it may be, how can I help them a step further by giving them my phone number and allowing them to contact me and get even more personal specific with it? Advice, yeah. With their specific advice, exactly. Yeah. So it, it was a very like obscure idea, but I just said, hey, I want to make this happen. And I, I'm, if I could make this happen, I'm sure it would be pretty huge. So... I found a company that was able to create my website for me. Uh, I contracted them out. We created the site. And yeah, basically, um, I don't want to get into too many specific details about subscribers' amounts, but I will say that in the beginning, like as in the first six months or so, it was huge. Almost like 
overbearing, too much to handle type right. shit. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. It was, yeah, it was really overwhelming. You got to imagine, like, people were really fucking stoked about it. So I had a shitload of subscribers. It was a lot to deal with. Um, it kind of, like, took a toll on me mentally. Um, and I think... A lot of them were just wanting to say hi or, hey, can you send me a selfie and, like, weird stuff. But through the thick of it all, there was definitely a lot of people that had really great ideas that just needed some direction. Um, And that's where it felt... It, or it still to this day feels very rewarding to me to be doing mm-hmm. this is because I've literally seen people start successful businesses and I've been able to help them with their vision and I've been able to help them because I've got I've had so many mistakes over the course of my career that I can tell them like these are all the mistakes I've made beware this will happen um, you know and kind of prep them of what to prepare for and it's cool because there might not be that many people that that are actually driven that want to to utilize my service to its full potential but the people that do i've been able to really be hands-on with them and help them go above and beyond and that's a very very satisfying feeling sure is it hard was it hard even just to like you talk to somebody and they don't hear from them for a couple weeks and then you're like oh like remembering like who's who because there must be so many people that it were is, in the it same is hard. kind of boat and stuff, and like the specifics, which mixing up which yeah. ones which. Like I imagine that that would be really tough. It made it really time consuming because sometimes I would have to look back in our messages yeah. and kind of yeah. see like where we started, so that way I can make sure that I'm staying specific to every individual. Right. But I can say that now, two years later, it's uh, a lot more manageable. So it's not right. something I'm pulling my hair out about. It's just something that is fun and rewarding to do you know when totally. i wake up in the morning i drink coffee and i'm able to talk with people and help them reach their goals pretty much so you a little bit of the day set aside for it yeah yeah exactly do it very cool and uh the spur app i tried to download it today is, it, is that a still a thing it's a really cool idea uh thank you so much uh it's not still a thing uh the company is dissolving um i went through a period i would say like two years ago maybe three years ago at this point where I wanted to do a million different things. And one of the things I wanted to do was to create my own app and have it blow up and become like the next big social media. I, sometimes my dreams are so fucking big that it's like, (laughs) I I don't have anyone to slap me and tell me no, because they know I'm kind of like crazy and like off the, off the rails. And, but, but looking back, I would say that, it was a very, very expensive and costly lesson in my life uh, because I learned from it. And at the end of the day, I guess it would be marked as a failure because it didn't succeed and the app is not still around. And it cost me a lot of money. Right. But I would just say that that was a big like learning experience for myself because I, I try to make positive out of any scenario so if if I were to tell people the amount of money I lost technically people yeah. would probably have a fucking heart attack but at the end of the day I, I view it with a smile and know that I'm a much smarter person because I participated in that and at the end of the day it well, failed well it could have been an ups, big upside too yeah, you it know, like been. those apps when they blow up, they get sold. Like, not we're not talking millions anymore. Billions, dude. So it's like it's huge. That kind of investment, I'm sure. It's roll. It's rolling the dice, right, and I exactly. think that there's ways to make it less of a gamble and less based on luck and more 
precise, but I just didn't have a big enough team. My issue is that I took on this big, big, uh, I guess, workload, and I was just one human. You know what I mean? As one person, it's hard to manage how much I had on my plate. So... You know, it's a it's a learning a learning experience for me. So it was fun while it lasted, and I think that spur could have become something huge. The but it's funny because like social media is adapting so quick that essentially like um, both Twitter, Instagram, Facebook adopted a lot of the ideas I was using before they were. Because the idea was I wanted to create a photo app that was super simple. Um, you just upvote or downvote. So similar to like Reddit um, in yeah. terms of upvotes or Imgur. Um, I think it's Imgur. Uh, but where you just upvote, downvote, no comments. So it was less about people's opinions and more about like giving the spotlight to people who are producing truly great content. So if you post something that's truly amazing, you could be a nobody with no followers and you could rise to the top because what you created is awesome. And it was less about followers. It was less about fame. It was less about opinions. It was supposed to just shine light on, on cool moments of your life. And, and you know, it's just a very competitive world. And I was one person with a huge, huge vision. And these people and apps that are succeeding have hundreds of employees so i as one person no matter how smart you are you can't compete with a hundred smart people working around the clock so it is hard to believe like you know when some of those apps they seem so simple and you're just like look at it you're like oh it's just that's all it is and you don't really realize like how much goes into so much it's crazy so much it's crazy so um what other stuff do you have going on um other than attila right now I'm sure there's I would a, say, always a lot of projects you're working on. Yeah, yeah, there's always a lot. Um, my my main endeavor outside of Attila is my clothing company, Stay Sick, and my record label, Stay Sick Recordings. Of course, yeah. And Stay Sick Recordings, I tell you what, that's probably the most like rewarding slash fun venture because being in a being in Attila for over 13 years now, starting a record label brings back the same feelings that I had when I was young and just starting out because I'm able to put myself in the shoes of these young bands just starting off and I relate to them on so many levels it's it's really cool it's kind of like flashback in time so I feel like when the bands on my label are reaching certain milestones and growing and getting bigger tours it's fun to celebrate those victories with them but from a different perspective of not being in the band so my my record label is very very uh something i'm very passionate about we have a lot of really cool bands um We've got bands like Vesta Collide, uh, Spite, Enterprise Earth. We have a very, actually a very heavy lineup. We've got Afterlife. They're kind of new metal, um, backwards. They're they're pretty sick. They're kind of um, like libertarian, like hardcore band. It's fucking cool. Like we have we have a ton of really cool, diverse lineup. It's rad. How uh, big is the label? Who works on it? Like obviously, obviously you can't do it all yourself. Yeah, so of course. Who, who so. uh, helps you out with that? What, like what's the the operation like it's uh me and my partner mike milford who's attila's manager and he's worked for artery and artery recordings so he has a lot of experience with um like the back-end work of a label yeah and um i have a lot of experience obviously with like social media and marketing and whatnot so combined that's you know the force of the label and we have um 
you know, we have our team, we have a publicist, we have um, like a social media guy that state keeps everything up to date, and we have uh, our distribution through Equal Vision Records. So, yeah, yeah, we're we're cool. we're very much like a full blown label, and it's yeah. very it's very fun. It's a it's a fun it's a fun like business. Um, it, you know, just being completely transparent, it, it doesn't make me any money at all, at least not now. Um, it's more of like a long-term business, but sure. it's, it's very rewarding just to see, um, bands like growing and, and being able to push them and help them. It's, it's fun. It's just, it's more just rewarding than anything, you know, and it's fun because it's directly involved with the field I'm cool. in. So yeah, and Stay Sick Clothing obviously is a big thing for you. It's been very financially uh, viable for you. Yes. It's been big, very successful. Huge. And um, I always wonder, you know, because you got this dynamic where Attila, you know, you're on the Warp Tour. You also have the Stay Sick Clothing. Is there any, like, issues with the band? Like, where you're like, okay, Attila, we're doing this much money, and then, like, Franz has all this stuff on the side. Is there ever like is is you, are you guys cool about understanding everybody's different role, or is there ever kind of like anybody in the band being like, oh well, you know, Franz is doing this because he's at the Stay Sick tent all day taking selfies for his clothing company. Is there any like resentment there? Uh, there there is a little bit. Um, you know, just to be totally honest, um, you know, and it's it's kind of like one of those things where. You know, we this I is put the it, singer syndrome podcast, right? So, like, yeah, we you know we're allowed to talk about how hard our lives are. You know, yeah, our, our lead singer problems. Um, <laughs> I you know I'm able to put myself in other people's shoes, and I understand it. But at the same time, like, this is a company I started six years ago, uh, Stay Sick, and it's something that I've been very passionate about, and people love it. And I, I think sometimes I have to explain, like, look, our you know our band sells really well we're doing great like there's no issues but not every single person wants to wear an Attila t-shirt like some people don't even like band t-shirts some people just want to wear a cool badass clothing line t-shirt you know and and that's kind of where I fill the void and yeah I know I I promote it a lot and that's like my baby you know so I want to see it become as big as humanly possible but at the same time, I, I definitely put in just as much effort into Attila and we, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's like I, I understand both sides of the, I guess, story or both both perspectives, but it's two different things. And, you know, what what's any different than that compared to Blackcraft or all these other clothing lines sure, out here on Warped? You know, it's yeah. just... It's it's another tent and yep. So no, exactly, exactly. Well, it's a little it's a little more associated with the Attila brand. Like the one thing that I always thought was really genius about Attila was you know bands have logos and and all that stuff. You guys literally have a color. Yeah, having like I've never heard of a band doing that. It's genius. Yeah, you guys yeah. literally like I see something that's like lime green or something with lime. I'm like oh it's got to be it's got to be Attila. It's got to be Attila. You know and that. Where did you come up with that idea? Because that's a crazy... I'm sure there's other branding, but I think of it as like, almost like you know Starbucks. When you yeah. walk down the street, you're like, is that a Starbucks? I'm not sure. It's a green it's umbrella. It's always that exact green Yeah, color. of course. You know what I mean? So I always thought that was cool that you guys did I that think or that you that, did that. Yeah, yeah. I think it just kind of dives into another thing people don't really know much about me as an individual, but 
I mean, I would go to say that I am a marketing slash branding genius of sorts. I don't know. Not trying to like, all right, lead singer syndrome. I'm not going to say My you're bad. wrong, but I'm not going to say you're wrong either because yeah. I think anybody that listens to this, they, if they have an opinion on you at all, they can say what they want about what you say in songs. They can say yeah, about whatever, the way you put yourself out there. But nobody's going to say that you don't know like that you're not a smart, I know smart marketing and branding it's it's yeah. one of it's my expertise marketing and branding so I've always kind of sat back and said hey um, you know people don't necessarily connect with certain things as much as they connect with a color or a symbol or something it's all about simplifying your approach and really pushing it out there and that's kind of why the whole idea for our new album was to not even have our fucking name on the cover, to just have a symbol, the chaos symbol. And I think it's very representative of us as a band and the album in general, but the chaos symbol on a bright ass green background and everything we've always had, um, within our, you know, artwork or stage setup has always been that bright green. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it's just like taking the branding to the next level of, Drilling it into people's heads, pretty much. Absolutely. And before I let you go, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, obviously, Sharp Tone Records, my boy Sal. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's a, a de- bit of a departure from Artery. I know you're still working with some people that were at Artery before. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the future got for Attila with new music and, and moving forward? So, we're always writing. Uh, me, especially. I, I'm constantly just spitting out ideas um i don't know if you you do the same thing but i'm always like beatboxing ideas into my phone my voice recordings oh yeah so like my voice recordings is literally just like right now it's like like i don't know like 12 unused songs that i've yet to track or like breakdowns or like weird patterns or weird fucked up one-liners i don't know just chorus ideas you name it like so i'm constantly like laying down ideas so i think um after Warp Tour, we're taking kind of a, probably the biggest break of our career. We're going to take like six months off, which is wild. We've never had that big of a break. We've always been grinding nonstop. So we're going to take a big break. We're going to sit back, but we're going to stay active. And I think the goal is to go ahead and uh, link up with multiple different producers and just record, 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 and, and just kind of make it a very cool, fun process to where instead of being bogged in a studio for two months or whatever, we just say, hey, whenever we feel creative, we're going to fly to a studio, whatever one we choose, and we're going to record a few songs. Yeah. And then we're going to chill out, feel creative, fly to another studio, record a few songs with them, and just kind of dick around, do that over the span of time, and then boom, we'll have another album. Record, so yeah. I think the the idea is to just do that pretty much yeah you're able to have you're able to come up with a new album without having that stressful alright we gotta write these songs and we gotta go in the studio and everything exactly. has to be done and it's probably gonna take just about the same amount, same amount of time yeah exactly we're all yeah. about the non-stress laid back just right. you know right when it feels right yeah absolutely so. man well hey dude thanks for taking the time it's been fucking really nice talking to you and yeah, a lot man. of insight and I appreciate it. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I, yeah. I, I've been ready to be a part of the podcast so I'm glad we got to make it happen. Yeah, thank you. Sick. Thanks, yeah. bro. Thanks, man. So there it is with Franz. Um, we were drinking wine. We were drinking beers. We had a shot of whiskey and I really did have a great time. I want to thank him for his hospitality on his bus. 
and everything. And, um, you know, say what you want about Attila. Maybe you don't agree with the subject matter of the music. Maybe I don't agree with the subject matter of the music. But they are out there, and they are doing it. And I think part of the show is to get a lot of different perspectives about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. Don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you do like the show, please go on iTunes and write a review, preferably five stars. And if you're coming out to California or Texas Warp Tour or wherever else, Warp Tour hasn't happened yet, please come by and say hello. I would love to meet y'all. I will leave you with a tune. I got to play some Attila. Here is a track that I find pretty funny, to be honest. It's called Public Apology. Here it is. I'm Lead Singer Syndrome. I want every single one of you to know that I am truly sorry from the bottom of my heart. I am so sorry. Sorry that you're a little bitch. Music was the only thing I rhymed with You wanna judge like I'm on the stand We'll come